was not the beginning. There are neither beginnings nor endings to the turning of the wheel of time. But it was a beginning. Hello and welcome. This is The Wind Was a Beginning, a podcast about Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. This is Season 3, Episode 9, Hypocrisy, Thy Name is Elida. Hello, everyone, and thank you for being with us again this week. My name is Justin, and uh, I'm here with Steven. Steven, say hi to everybody. Hello, folks. How you doing this week, man? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, settling in after all the holiday shenanigans and just trying to get back into a regular routine. That's uh, right. It's been a good week. Yeah. Uh, well, by the time, you know, everybody's hearing this, it's, it's about two or three weeks past the holidays, but uh, when we're recording it, uh, I still have I still have a Christmas tree up. So <laughs> we took ours down uh, day before last. Well, we, we still have decorations that are being put away. Yeah, we we probably would have had ours down, but uh, some of our Christmas plans um, had to get delayed a little bit. So we got family coming this weekend. So we just left everything up uh, until then. So. Um, but it'll probably start to come down after that. Uh, and I'll be ready to put it up again November 1st. Right? That's <laughs> that's the proper time, right? I, th- I feel like we've had that discussion before. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, we've got quite a bit to get to this week. So maybe we should just go ahead and get into it, don't you think? I believe that's a great plan. Yeah, why don't I'm we start... I'm excited to jump in here. Hey, why don't we start with you telling us what uh, we're discussing this week? So, listeners, we are going to attempt to cover chapters 21 through 23 this week. Uh, so if you're not there yet, or if you haven't read those, please uh, take a minute, hit pause, go read those, and come back. We will be here waiting for you. But uh, that's what we're going to attempt tonight. Uh, right. The Dragon Reborn, chapters 21 through 23. And, and we were supposed to cover chapter 21 last week, but we just didn't quite get there. We got almost an hour in and uh, figured with this chapter, we probably needed to wait. So, uh, But we've waited, and now is the time. Are you ready to jump in? I am ready. So we go into chapter 21, The World of Dreams. Egwene is summoned to Varen's study, where the two briefly discuss an intriguing page from before the breaking before conversation turns to the real reason that Egwene is there. Varen has information on the Black Aja, as well as the Tirangrial they stole, and something else that may finally help Egwene find some answers that she's been looking for. I just want to say from the start of this chapter is that Varen's study sounds like my kind of place. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like um, if I, at least based on my knowledge, I feel like if I were Aes Sedai, um, I would be Brown Aja. Uh, I, I'm very, I mean, if 
you you can look behind me. You can see all the books that are sitting behind me right now. I I'm I'm very much a bibliophile. I I you know spend a lot of time in in study. And um now Varen's place is a little bit too cluttered for me. I I need to keep my work area a little bit better organized. But uh, other than that, it sounds like my kind of place. All of the different maps and books and papers and all of that kind of thing, just uh, that's um, that, that that's ideal for me. But Yeah, I like her study. It, I could definitely picture you hanging out there. It kind of <laughs> reminds me of like an old library mixed with like an absent-minded coffee shop or something. Yeah. It's very yeah. like... Uh, that's book nerd paradise. Yeah, that, that's what that's what Varen's study is lacking is is a, is a coffee maker. Yeah, I mean it, it can be it can be any kind. It can be Keurig. It can be drip coffee. It can be whatever you want to do, but um, needs a coffee maker. <laughs> I don't have a coffee maker in here. I got one. I got one in the house though. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, don't want to get too far off subject. Um, all right, uh, the first thing that we need to talk about is this page that she's studying when Egwene walks in. It is apparently, uh, at least Varen believes, that it may be the only surviving writing from before the breaking. Um, and it's cryptic? Is that a good word to use? Yeah. Um, Varen even admits that she's read it thousands of times and still doesn't fully understand it. What can you tell us about that? Maybe we should read what it says first. Yeah, I've got it right here if you You want to read it. Go ahead and read that. All right. Heart of the Dark. Balsamon, name hidden within name, shrouded by name, secret buried within secret, cloaked by secret, betrayer of hope, Ishamael, betrays all hope, truth burns and sears, hope fails before truth, a lie is our shield, who can stand against the heart of the dark, who can face the betrayer of hope, soul of shadow, soul of shadow, he is. Hmm. Well, if Varen doesn't fully understand it after reading it thousands of times, um, I don't know what hope I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously there are some, some words that stand out, uh, obviously by Alzaman. And betrayer of hope, and uh, what was another one? Heart, Heart of the, of the dark. dark, and then maybe, um, maybe what stands out. I, I guess what I guess really caught my eye is Ishamael yep. being, being connected with those various ideas. Because I feel like we thought, you know, all you know, Baalzaman, we've been. Uh, introduced to him throughout. That's a a name for the Dark One. And aren't those other titles related to the Dark One? Or are they? Do they have another so, an, another meaning? So, 
Heart of the Dark is literally what Balzaman means, because Balzaman is a trollic word. Okay. Uh, so Heart of the Dark is what Balzaman means, if you translate it from trollic. Okay. Uh, Betrayer of Hope is actually the moniker given to Shamael okay. by Luz Theron. Uh, you actually hear Luz Theron call him that in the prologue all the way back in Book 1 and, at Dragon Mount. Right, right. Luz Theron refers to Ashamayel as the betrayer of hope. Hmm. So, that's how those are connected there. The betrayer of hope directly connects to Ashamayel. Part of the dark is literally the translation of Balzaman. Balzaman. And, and the question is, is who can stand against, well, who can stand against the heart of the dark and who can face the betrayer of hope? Um, yep. I, I don't really know what that means. I don't know. Is there anything that, that you can tell us that, uh, won't, won't spoil anything? <laughs> Not a thing. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, is there, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It feels, it feels like there should be something there that we can, that there's like a clue there or something that we, we should be able to get out of that, but uh, I'm not sure that I'm picking up on it. So All I will say is I will encourage people to take their time and read, and not just the key words that we talked about, but read it in its entirety more than once and really think about what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Name hidden within name, shrouded by name. Secret buried within secret, cloaked by secret. There, there's something hidden in there that uh, maybe we're supposed to see, but maybe we're not seeing just yet. I feel like it, hopefully it'll be revealed to us before too much longer, though. Maybe. Maybe by the end of this book we'll, we'll have some answers. I don't know. Um, mysteries upon mysteries. Read on and find out, right? Yep. I wish I could tell you, but <laughs> it would be cheating. Uh, yes, it would. It would be. Uh, it'd be unfair. Um, I have some some thoughts, but I'm I'm not gonna say anything right now. Um, might <laughs> save that for later. Um, but it's just coincidental that we. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's not coincidental because the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Uh, so maybe that was intentional that um, Egwene came in at that moment. But that's not the reason that Varen called Egwene to her study, was it? You want to... uh, It's at least not the entire reason. Well, it's not, it's not the, the main reason. I guess you could say the main reason was that Varen has some information for her. Right? Yes. Information on these, these women that abandoned the tower have basically revealed themselves to be Black Aja. Uh, their names, their ages, the Aja they had been before. Uh, I've got their birthplace. I even wrote down their grades, <laughs> uh, how they did in their studies um, is, is included in that as well. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, as well as a little bit of information about the Tirangriol that were stolen. Unfortunately, there's really not a lot there, right? Not as much as they would hope. Yeah, they, uh, they, there's there's not a lot known yeah. about those things. 
Yeah, because unfortunately, several of the Terran Grail that they did take, no one had figured out what they were even for. Right, right. So. Um, which is, there could be something in that that's a little comforting, that nobody knows what they're for. Maybe they won't know how to use them. But then the idea that we don't know how they could be used is a little frightening at, at, on its own, though, that maybe if they do figure it out, we don't know what's coming. Yeah. Well, you also have to take into account that the Aes Sedai of this age don't know anything about those Terangriol. That does not mean that whoever's giving the orders to those Dark Sisters doesn't know exactly oh, what that's they do. A, that's a good point. I had not thought of that. Because they're, they're yeah. not operating on their own. Correct. Somebody They're is, under orders. Yeah, somebody is pulling the strings, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And since we know that um, there are some pretty powerful individuals loose on the world, um, that is a frightening prospect indeed. Yep. Uh, but let's get to the bulk of this chapter. Um, and it, and it, it's, I guess, the... I don't know, for Verit, it may be the main reason she called Egwene to her study and just used the um, passing on of the information as an excuse. But we, we've been considering for, I guess, since the, sometime in the second book, the possibility that Egwene could be a dreamer. And yeah. now, um, Varen wants to help with that. <laughs> Yeah. She she has um a gift if you will for Egwene that might help her um might help her in that that pursuit. But first we need an explanation of the the world or worlds uh all of that kind of thing going on. Varen takes the time to explain to Egwene about the different worlds that make up what's called the age lace. Is that, yep. am I, am I getting that right? Yep. And all of these worlds, and we, we've talked a little bit about this before. It still makes my head hurt a little bit. Cause, uh, just the whole multiversal thing <laughs> kind of, um, mm-hmm. kind of just, uh, it's, it's kind of above my pay grade. Uh, but all of these worlds uh, have have a few constants, which yep. are you want to share share some of those with us. So every world has the presence of the creator. They also have the presence of the dark one. In whatever world, as long as the dark one is in in uh, imprisoned in one world, he is imprisoned on all worlds. Uh and yet, if he is freed on one world, he is free on all worlds. So and that just try goes, to wrap your head around that. Yeah, well, and but you know, uh, for uh, Varen, I'll get the words out in a second. <laughs> Varen, you know, tells us that that's kind of the embodiment of what the Dark One is. He's the embodiment of paradox and chaos. Yep, chaos. 
the destroyer, I, I have it written down, the destroyer of reason and logic, the breaker of balance, the unmaker of order. And that's exactly exactly what we see there. If he's free in one world, he's free in all. But if he's imprisoned in one, he's imprisoned in all. I'm kind of with Egwene. That doesn't make much sense. <laughs> Um, it, it's, it, how can it be both, both and either it's not either or it's both. And I think, um, yeah. and, 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 and worth pointing out because Egwene questions this, it's not a different creator or a different dark one for each world. It is the same creator and the same dark one spanning all of these different worlds. Um, correct. And there's, there's one other constant that we get to talk about. Yes, the other constant is the world of dreams. Oh, I've been waiting to talk about this for so long. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those things that I, I came into the show with uh, pre-existing knowledge. And I'm, I'm sure my knowledge is not complete. Because um, I, <laughs> I only got so far, but uh, I'm... You know, with with the parts that I have read, I'm fairly familiar with Teleron Riyadh, the world of dreams, yep. the unseen world, um, which I guess might be, I guess, a bit of a spoiler. It does come up again, um, but given the things that we're told about it here, I, I feel like it's already come up before. We just didn't know what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that's what I've been sitting on for so long, because uh, the, the, there's the warning that Varen gives, is that what happens in the world of dreams is real. She even has a scar on her forearm from one time when she ventured into the world of dreams. We'll talk a minute about how she did that. Um, but we've seen occasions throughout the first two books where... Dreams became real. I think we even saw yeah. one in this book where a dream became real. So I guess the question is, is have we already been in this world of dreams? So there's so much here I want to touch on, but I don't want to <laughs> overshare. You, you, um, can't, uh, you can't say too much. Yeah. I would say this. You have normal dreams. Yeah. Which a person who is normally dreaming is technically touching ever so slightly the world of dreams, just in, in the fact that they would normally be dreaming. Right. What people that can dream, like what, what we're saying Egwene can do is, is to enter into the world of dreams more fully. Okay. Um, to take a more active role in the dream world. And then there is, there are things beyond that even, but, uh, I think we have seen examples in the last two books, and even at the beginning of this one, yeah. when it comes to the boys and the dreams that they are having, mm -hmm. um, I think what's happening there without, I think I can say this without spoiling anything, because I won't reveal how or why, but in those instances when those dreams are more than dreams, when they're being confronted with Bosman, when... Rand comes back and he's got the thorns in his hand and right. things like that. I believe what's happening there is that the boys are being pulled further into the realm of dreams. Okay. Out of a normal dream. Okay. 
So, so what that's you're saying, why it is becoming real for them. So you're saying it, it starts off as a normal dream, and then they're pulled into Teleron Riyadh with whatever's going on with Baal Zaman. Or I, I think about the, I think it was earlier in this book when Perrin had that dream of um, the guy pretty much getting his skin ripped off. Yeah. And then he comes back covered in blood. Yep. <laughs> you know, so there's... um. There's a lot and going on there, a lot to unpack, I think. Go ahead. Perrin is a special case as well, because Perrin is interacting with the dream in yet another way, as opposed to the other two boys, or yeah. Egwene, in that Perrin is also experiencing the wolf dream. Right, right. Perrin has that connection as well. Um, I'm sure there's there's much more that, that we'll get to. <laughs> going further right because so much so uh, much so, more i want to say so much that you want to say but you can't this is just really our formal introduction to the world of dreams again we we've, we've touched touched it before in some other chapters or in other parts of of the first two books and this one but this is our formal introduction and how are we getting there how are we getting into the world of dreams so for Egwene, it's something that she may be doing naturally. With Perrin, it's either being forced upon him or with use and the wolves working yeah. with him. But I think what you're hinting at is the gift that Varen is about to give Egwene. Yes. Uh, yes. That's how, how, how is Egwene going to become more familiar with this world of dreams? Yeah. Uh, by taking advantage of this tremendous gift that Varen, or curse, spend, depending on how you look at it, <laughs> that Varen is yeah. going to hoist onto Egwene. Um, so she produces one of the rarest objects in the tower. I mean, they only have so many of these, and some of them just got stolen. But uh, she just hands over a Terangriol to this novice. <laughs> yeah. Um I was looking for something. There's a, I, I want to say there's a statement made about the, it, how it is so remarkable that someone at her level would be giving such a thing. Right. Um, I, I can't find it. Um, but it's, it, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting, um, interesting description. It says it, it looked like stone, but it felt harder than steel and heavier than lead. Uh, the circle of it was twisted. If she ran a finger along one edge, it would go around twice, inside as well as out. It only had one edge. I've I've tried to picture this so many times before, and it's kind of kind of puzzles me. But uh, it, it's 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 a remarkable sounding item, and now it's in Egwene's hands, and she's um. I like the way you put it: either a gift or a curse. Not sure yeah. which one it's going to be. <laughs> She's not sure which one it's going to be. She's both uh, yep. frightened and kind of excited at the same time because, you know, she yeah. wants she she wants this um you know, she wants to advance in her power in her studies. She wants to be a dreamer, but she also recognizes there's great danger here as well. Yeah. And Varen is really only giving her just the slightest hints of the dangers. I, yeah. I don't know that Varen is doing the best job here 
Um, and I think this has something to do with Varen being a Brown, that for her, the pursuit of knowledge sometimes can can supersede her own uh, self-preservation instincts, hmm. as we can see by the scar that she presents to a yeah. yeah. Uh, I think for her... She sees what she's giving to Egwene as an opportunity to gain knowledge, and so for her, that supersedes the possible danger. So she kind of down, she doesn't completely downplay it, but she really doesn't give a full picture of the danger that she's pushing Egwene in here. Mm. Well, there's a lot of things she doesn't tell Egwene, apparently. Because the the chapter ends, we, we shift point of view to Varen, and she has... Um, a lot more information about this ring. Pretty much everything that is known about this ring, which was studied and compiled by the last woman who was a dreamer, almost 500 years in the past. Yeah. Carrion Nadeel. Yeah. And... Varen's not going to pass that information along. No. She even considered, and this was surprising for Varen, even considered destroying those pages. But, you know, her love of knowledge wouldn't let her. (laughs) Right. So. But there's obviously some dangerous things in those writings uh, that she's not sharing. Apparently. Uh, we also are told that basically no one knows, like, Egwene has no idea of this, but there is no record of that Terangrial. Carrion and Nadil erased it. That's right. And made sure that no one, and there's no one left who remembers her having it. That's right. The only person who knows about the existence of that Terangrial or those notes is Varen, and now Egwene knows about the Terangrial. Egwene knows about the Terangrial, but she doesn't know about all the other information. Yeah. Is it all right? What do you? What, why do you think? Why do you think Varen's hiding that stuff? Hmm. Is, is there stuff in there she wants to protect Egwene from? Does she? She want Egwene to? Figure it out on her own. That kind of sounds like a a, a brown in, thing to do. In my opinion, Varen uh, okay. tried the Terangrial one time. Okay. She got that scar. She never tried she again. Never, she she read those notes. I think what's in those notes would scare Egwene so much that she would stop channeling, much less trying to dream. Okay. <laughs> So, so part of it is to not discourage her. Yeah. I guess. Um, okay. Which brings up the question that maybe Varen should discourage her. <laughs> May maybe so because this this sounds uh, this sounds like it's not something to be played around with. Yeah. Also. I think this is also the knowledge seeker in Varen. She wants Egwene to start seeking answers for herself. That's she wants to see. So Varen has all the information that Carrion and Nadil wrote down. Right. What Varen doesn't have is another perspective, and that's what she wants. She's seeking 
she's basically, I think, using Egwene here to find out more about the world of dreams without having to risk herself. That's very brown of her. Yeah. And also very Aes Sedai to not risk herself. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um... Yeah, I guess we should probably shouldn't be surprised at that kind of thing from Varen. Because, yeah. you know, she has her own agenda, just like everybody else does. And and we can't rule out, you know, Egwene even says it. And, you know, this is going to be a, a running theme for the uh, foreseeable future. Because don't trust anybody. But, you know. We don't know what Varen's real motives are. She could be black. She could be brown. She could be anything in between. There could be stuff in those notes that would give away some secret that she holds. Like, there's so many different possibilities. Yeah, I was going to bring that up later, how Egwene trusts no one right now. Yeah, she's gotten, like, she has drank the paranoid Kool-Aid. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she she uh, is gone. Yeah, she's gone full conspiracy theorist. Um, everybody is an enemy or potential enemy. Um, yeah. and maybe you know, maybe she's the smart one in that. I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm finding it hard not to trust some people. Um, Varen up until this point was one of them, but now I'm I'm kind of doubting Varen a little bit. Um. Uh, <laughs> wonder what she's up to. Um, who knows? Uh, but we might need to move on. <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to move into chapter 22. All right. Chapter 22. The Price of the Ring. Barely out of Varen's study, Egwene learns that the time has come for her to be tested for acceptance. Led by Sheriam, she accepts the test, and one by one, enters the three arch Angriol to face her fears and become an accepted of the White Tower. So right out the gate, I want to say this, that when I read the title for this chapter, I was a little confused. I was like, what, what in the, what, a ring? Where's a ring come into this? And then I got, you know, about a paragraph in, I was like, oh yeah, the ring, the serpent ring. Um, and the testing, and honestly, up until this point, I had kind of forgotten that um, there was a test <laughs> to so, be raised to accepted. I want to stop you right there. Okay. Because there's two meanings to this type, this chapter. Title. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Okay. So, oh. one is the obvious meaning. Yeah. The, the test as the price to get that gold serpent ring. Yeah. The other is the price of the ring Egwene just got. Yeah. Because that ring, as we're going to see in this chapter, the price of having that ring with her is to almost die. Yeah, let's circle back to that, because that comes up in chapter 23, I think. Yeah. Uh, so, so... Let, let's let's come back to that. Let, let's let's put that on the yeah. table for a moment. Uh, let, let's let's get into what happens here, um, with with these this this test. And I, I just want to start with the fact that Egwene seems to be surprised by this being the the time. Is the, is that normal? 
that that the woman's no. not it's it's she's not told beforehand this is when you're going to be tested so it's not normal for it to be this abrupt they're yeah. usually not given like tons of notice right but like we saw with Nynaeve, she had a couple of hours she was yeah. prepared and uh so and we realize as soon as this we get into this the reason why is cuz the Omerlin just decided she didn't want to wait anymore Okay, they so get, they gathered Elaine, sent her through first, and then went looking for Elaine. Okay, so yeah, I was wondering is is, is that part of the test that she's, <laughs> you know, it's 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 brought on her so abruptly, but it it, it seems to be a, a special circumstance in this case. Yeah, it is the Omerlin getting impatient, which everything <laughs> everything about Egwene being tested is a special circumstance. So why are we why are we surprised, right? Yeah, which really uh. ticks off Elida. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she's but at the same time she didn't protest that much when Elaine had her test. At least That's because Elaine is her claim to like she needs yeah. as ticked off as she is with Elaine, she needs Elaine to progress because her becoming powerful is a a feather in her cap. Hypocrisy, thy name is Elida. Yep. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's... I, I'm sure that every every woman in the tower probably has her hypocritical moments. So, True. you know, we've just been conditioned not to really like Elida that much. So it, it, it makes it... it, it it rings a little louder when it comes from her, I suppose. But you're right. She she wasn't happy about it. But uh, it is uh, what the Omerlin wants, and it's what the Omerlin's going to get because Egwene is is ready to take the test. She after she agreed, she realized, oh wait, I still have these papers in this Tirangrial, and yeah. it's going to be sitting out here where anybody can just look at it. But by that point, it's too late. She's already accepted. She can't stop her. She's going to be put out of the tower. So Yeah. So it's um, a pretty definitive uh, choice here you have to make. And once you've made it, you're all or nothing. Yeah. But as we said, the fact that she has those objects with her are going to uh, have an important role to play uh, in the next yep. two chapters. So uh, shall we get into her three tests? Um, sure. Just a, just a reminder, what, what happens here is the woman who is being tested has to step through. Uh, it's this massive Tirangrial, three arches, and a woman steps through it and faces her fears. Uh, she steps through all three arches one at a time. Uh, the first is for what was. And it finds Egwene back in the two rivers. She's married to Rand. They have a daughter. And Egwene is studying to one day become the village wisdom. Kind of everything that she expected when we first were introduced to uh, these characters back at the beginning of book one. Right? Every, yeah. Everything that was going to happen. <laughs> um, but there's some... Other things going on at the time. Uh, the whole world's at war, fighting against the Shan Chan, apparently. Rand 
is having these occasional headaches. They're always followed by strange things happening around uh, around them. Um, I only wonder what that could be. Yeah. <laughs> but um, Egwene has her own secret, too, doesn't she? She does. You know, just like Nynaeve, she's, she's basically in this possible past. She's going through the things that she would have if Moraine had not come to the two rivers. Yeah. Pretty much the so, same way, like you said, pretty much the same way that Nynaeve had, uh, pretty much causing miraculous hearings, he- hearings, healings uh, on occasion. Yep. So, um, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, one other thing maybe mentioning is, you know, nobody really knows or at least nobody makes the connection about the things going on with Rand except for Egwene. She's the only one who really makes that connection and she thinks she could help him, but she doesn't get the chance because he starts having one of his episodes and the arch appears and she has to go through it. Right. Um, or I guess she'll fail the test get stuck there maybe my question is uh i seem to remember when when rand uh back in book two when they traveled by portal stone mm-hmm. didn't rand see a life where he and Egwene were married and had children correct like much he much more than one actually yeah they had more than one child or more than one life that he saw or, yeah more than one life where that was the outcome. Yeah, I think I think in one they had more than one child too, at least. Yeah, in um, one they at least had two. Okay, so the thought that came to me as I was reading this is it made me wonder if, like the portal stones, this Terangrial might be connected to the other worlds. Like maybe what Egwene is seeing is her life in another of these parallel worlds, mirror worlds, or whatever you want to call them? Possible. I don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, I have a very, I have a pretty solid theory on what these archways are, but I yeah. want to wait until the next yeah, uh, chapter. Uh, well, I, I say that now, but when I think about what happens a little bit later, um, you know, maybe, maybe there's, it's a little bit more, there's a little bit more answer to that question. A little bit later on. Anything else to say about the first arch? Um, no, I don't think so. It's pretty cut and dry there. Yeah. Um, it is interesting that the Sean Chan appear. Um, yeah. Makes you think maybe that I was, think... was going to happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. So I, I have things to say about that, but again, the, that will have to be held off till the next chapter. Okay. Well, why don't you tell us what she sees when she goes through the second arch then? Okay, so second arch, uh, she finds herself this time as a Phoacidae, mm-hmm. wandering through the rubble that was once Camelon, mm-hmm. uh, and encountering a Rand who is trapped under basically a large beam in a collapsed building as Dark Spawn and Dreadlords prowl around Camelon. And she has to deal with the fact that she can't save Rand, but Rand has a horrible request. Yeah. 
yeah um his 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 solution to his problem is that she just kill him yep right right then and there which she 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 cannot do yeah um she cannot do um why is he so adam well, well you know he he mentions how you know he's keeping the madness at bay and you know he could yeah. get himself out of that situation but if he did he'd have to let go of himself and then the madness would overtake him but there's another reason that he gives for asking Egwene to kill him rather than leave him there alive. Yeah. And because, that's, that's, I think, the part we really need to talk about. Yeah. Rand re- releases or lets slip from his tongue this wonderful nugget of uh, evil here. That apparently, if 13 Dreadlords and 13 Murdral get together and, you know, <laughs> let their powers combine, <laughs> they can uh, turn a unwilling person who can channel to the dark. That is heavy. Yeah. That is heavy. So, 13 Dreadlords... Which Dreadlords were dark friends who could channel. Yep. Working with 13 Murdral can turn someone to the shadow against their will. Yep. And, of course, it wasn't lost on me when I first read that. And and I was already thinking when we first found out how many women had left the tower that that number 13 was significant. Um, And we're going to find out in the next section that there's another significance to that number 13. But, um, yeah. (laughs) And so it's specifically people who can channel, though, right, that this can be done to? Yes. uh, We learned that after Egwene leaves the arch, um, having chosen not to help Rand commit suicide, she abandons him there. Uh, she comes back and she asks a Shiriam, uh-huh. and shockingly enough, she gets an answer. <laughs> uh, and basically, what Shiriam says is that this is the weakness of being able to channel. Yeah. That in in learning to open yourself to the one power, it also makes you susceptible to other things gaining access. So, here is the question I have. Mm-hmm. Because she comes out of the second arch, and I'm gonna see if I can find it. Yeah, um, you know she's you know, she mentions Rand's name, how she she couldn't help him. She's begging his forgiveness, and she says, um, "He said they could turn him to the shadow. The Mirdral and the Dreadlords could force him." Did Egwene just inadvertently reveal to Sherryam that Rand is able to channel? No. Um, no, you don't think I so? I would say not. I would say not because Sherryam is not aware of Rand being the him that she's referring to. And the Omerlin and Moraine have done a good enough job making sure there's not like a super strong connection with Rand specifically. She may now... 
suspect that one of the boys from her village. But but she can't she mentions she mentioned mentioned Rand's name when she came out. Did she? She did. That was one of the very first things she said. Um, let me see if I can find it again. Yeah, because I didn't remember seeing his name. Yeah. Uh, staggering, she stepped out of the arch, neither noticing her nakedness nor caring. A shudder ran through her, and she covered her mouth with both hands. I couldn't, Rand, she whispered. I couldn't. Please forgive me. And then it's a little bit further down. Um, I mean, I guess it depends guess on how... It depends on if she heard the whisper. It depends on how observant Sheriam is. Yeah. Um, but I feel... Because the way that she kind of did like a little double take when Egwene asked or, or said something about him being forced... You know, it could have just been that topic being brought up, but it almost felt to me like she, something clicked, like there was a realization, uh, on her part. I don't know. Um, maybe. Yeah. That's, um, definitely something to, uh, to keep, maybe keep an eye on. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll find out, um, we'll find out how that maybe plays out. What do you think about, uh, this idea uh, of the fact that the dark can force someone to turn to the dark. Well, it sounds like it's not an easy thing to do, right? It, it takes, uh, it, it takes a lot of cooperation and s- seemingly a lot of power for it to be done. But, uh, Ooh, that's a, that's a frightening idea to, to think about, especially now that we know there are, 13 dark friends that can channel somewhere out mm-hmm. there in the world. Um, so yep. it makes me nervous. <laughs> it makes me nervous. I want to ask you this. Okay. This is just a question for you and the listeners to ponder. Okay. How do you think that interacts with a person's, uh, soul or their thread in the pattern? If someone is forcefully turned to the dark, is that a permanent thing? Where they, every time they're reborn, will they automatically serve the dark? Will they no longer be reborn? Or is it something altogether different? What do y'all think? And I can't really give answers. I just want to yeah. plant that seed and let you think about it. Uh, hmm. What do you think that entails? Hmm. One thought that comes to my mind about the about the rebirth thing, and maybe this is a little bit different um, because this is forced, but isn't it uh, said that there have been times in the past when the dragon served the dark? Uh, that was a lie that was told by Balzamon. Oh, that was that a Rand lie. Refuted at well, okay. he refuted it at the end of the last book. He was like. Uh, you know, father of lies, yeah. I have never served you and I will never serve okay. you. Okay. I, I guess it was just, you know, it, it, my, my thinking was just because someone goes light or dark in one turning of the wheel or one age, does that necessarily mean they'll be on the same side the next time they're reborn? Um, or or is, is that, you know, is that like a fate thing that they're locked into or do they have... Uh, some power of choice in that. I don't know. It's something to ponder. Like you said, it's something to think about. That was a thought that just came to me and I thought I'd throw it out yeah. there. 
Um, but let's uh, let's move on to the the final part of the test. The third time is for what will be, and if this is what will be, there are some big developments uh, yeah. that take place here. Uh, Egwene, in this vision or life or what world or whatever she's in, um, has a very interesting accessory uh, on her person. Yeah, uh, a certain article of clothing, I guess we'll call it um, seven different colors. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm getting around to the point that in this uh, vision, Egwene is the Amarlin seat, apparently yeah. raised from the green Aja because her keeper is she wears the green stole, uh, indicating where she had been raised from, and normally. I think, or Gawain says always the Keeper comes from the same Aja as the Omerlin. So that's big thing number one. Uh, Egwene is the Omerlin seat. And pretty much in this vision, first it starts with her um, presiding over a meeting of the Hall of the Tower where Rand is brought in and Elida who is a sitter for the Red Aja at this point, uh, calls on Egwene to pronounce sentence on Rand, that he should be gentled. Egwene refuses, and she's knocked out, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. And wakes up, finds herself surrounded by a group of 13 Aes Sedai and 13 Murdral. And fortunately is able to escape that situation only to find out that Rand is actually about to be gentled um, at a place called the Traitor's Court. Um, and in the process of... She's, she's getting ready to rescue him from that situation when the Arch appears and she has to go back. And we'll talk more about what happens there uh, in a moment. But there's a lot of things... Um, we're probably going to run long just talking about <laughs> these things. Um, uh, where do you, where do we start? Well, I will stay, I will say this. Um, they call this the, the test for what will be. I think it would be more aptly said to be the test for what may be. Yeah. I've, I've um, wondered that myself. Because when Nynaeve goes through it, when she had her test, she saw, uh, Malkier yeah. restored and land and her with children and everything like that. And I don't think that was necessarily meant to say, Oh, Malkier is coming back. Yeah. But I think that is, sh was showing a possible future. If like certain decisions, were made some things, like things go a certain way. Um, kind of like with, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, the ghost of Christmas yet to come. Uh, yeah. it can be changed. Uh, it depends yeah. on the choices you make. Now, you bring up Nynaeve's tests, and I'll go ahead and mention this now. Uh, this seems a little bit, you know, there, there's something I thought was um, interesting. All of Nynaeve's tests, her three times through the arches, all of them seemed a little bit different. Right in the first one, she had that showdown with, um, was it Aganor? I think yeah. one one of the forsaken, and then the second one, she's 
you know, pretty much has to abandon the two rivers to yeah. whatever. And then the third one is what we just mentioned, her with Lan in a resurrected Malkier. They're all a little bit different in their own respect. Yeah. And and with the Gwaines, there are differences in each one, but they all end pretty much the same way. Yeah. She has to abandon Rand to whatever fate he's he's left to. I thought that was kind of interesting that all of hers pretty much ended the same way. Um and where Nynaeve's were, you know, all just a little bit different, you know, uh in, in their own ways. So I think that you're hitting on something right there. Okay. The whole point of these tests is to face your fears. Right. For Nynaeve, her fear she was palpably afraid of the Forsaken due to the battle they had just endured shortly before. She was afraid of the fact that she was not in the Two Rivers, that she had abandoned her people to come gallivanting across the world and was now in the Tower. Mm -hmm. And she was afraid of what might happen if she let herself get too close to land. She was confronting her fears. Right. Egwene here is doing the exact same thing, but her fears, her fears all revolve around Rand. Right. Okay. So I guess that, that that makes sense. It's different for each woman, depending on on, on her her own her own fears. Um, you brought up you bring up the point in our notes, and this is something that I didn't really think about because I don't think attention was necessarily drawn to it. But Egwene mm-hmm. is able to channel. Within the arches. Yeah. Just like Nynaeve was, which is not supposed to be possible. Yeah. Because they they make... It's not that you physically can't while you're in there, but they are trying... The Aes Sedai that are in charge of the Tarangrel are doing something to actively make it so that you don't channel. Yeah. Uh, and you shouldn't... Like, they even mentioned with Nynaeve that she shouldn't even be able to remember that she can. <laughs> uh, but... So much of what they're specifically, I think that's another thing. When a normal Aes Sedai is tested from novice to accepted, yeah, they don't have the degree of information, ability, and experiences that Nynaeve and Egwene, and Lori Lane for that matter, have. Most of them are novices that came to the tower at a very young age. have been raised in the tower. Their life experience is basically revolved around that. And so their fears are typically going to be relatively menial things. Whereas Nynaeve and Egwene, they have legitimate things to be afraid of. They have the Forsaken. They have, you know, 13 Mergeal and 13 Aes Sedai. They have legitimate things and the the power scaling on the the stuff that's coming at them in these i don't think is what is actually intended in these tests Hmm. uh their testing is in my opinion much more severe than it is intended to be because of what they have dealt with in the real world up to this point Hmm. but yeah she is able to channel uh and thank goodness that she is um because that's another thing that we don't touch on too much here, but we do. You do remember at the end with Nynaeve that she grabbed a hold of those thorns 
and she came out with with those blood thorns. all over her yeah. hands and puncture wounds and thorns. So stuff in that Terangrial can hurt you. If Nynaeve had lost in her fight with Agenor, he would have killed her mm-hmm. legitimately there. And so that brings up this. If in that third arch, if Egwene had not woken up when she did, she would have either, one, been turned, yeah, or stilled. Hmm. And it would have been, it would have been real. It would have been she real. Would have, if she came out of the arch, it would yeah. have still still been that way. Oh, that's that's heavy. Yeah. Um, the, the danger that she was in is insane. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, it was never intended for that. Yeah. Uh, but that's because the Aes Sedai who are using these Terangrial like they're using them don't have a real good grasp of what it even is. Well, it's been admitted more than once that they're not sure that they're using this Turang Rial for its intended purpose. Yeah. They found they found a purpose that they can use it for, and that's what they're they're using it for. Uh, which is dangerous, I, I would say, to say the least, to use something without knowing its intended purpose. Um, In my opinion, they're the, they're they are tantamount to a child playing with their father's uh, gun. I, I, that's a great way to put it. Uh, I, w- I would yeah. wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, but the danger, I, I guess, extends beyond the vision, we'll say, or whatever yeah. it is that Egwene is experiencing, because there's something happening with the arch itself, with the Tirangriol itself. Because Egwene seemingly barely makes it out. It, that thing looks like it's about to collapse when Egwene does finally make it through. Which yeah. carries us right into the next chapter. So unless you had something else to mention. No, I think okay. we're good to jump into 23. Yeah, One thing, I want to say one more thing. Uh, I just thought this was worth bringing up. Egwene uh, thinks to herself, or uh, yeah, thinks to herself while in that third arch there was a secret that she had and that secret being that she never held the oath rod yep when she was raised to Aes Sedai so I just thought that was interesting to think about so just throw that out there and and maybe that'll come up again Uh, let's get into chapter 23 then chapter 23 sealed Egwene emerges from the Tirangrial to the concerned faces of the Amarlin and other Aes Sedai with her after making sure she is well, the ceremony is completed, and Egwene receives her great serpent ring and banded acceptance dress. But there is a greater interest in finding out what happened to the Tirangrial, though Egwene has a secret that may hold the answer. All right, we, we, we've wanted to get here. We've been building up to it. We're going to talk about what's going on. Um, All right. You know, we last week was a little bit short on time. We might go a little long this week. We're just going to see what happens. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> we won't. Good. We won't make a habit of this um, going long. But we're just going to see what happens tonight, and we're gonna we're gonna have this discussion. So, uh, where do you want to begin? <laughs> um, let's begin by talking about what this Terangrial is. 
<clears throat> what do you think it is? And then I will give my opinion. Well, given what happens, what we find out in this chapter, um, may- maybe we should elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. Uh, because I think it's even mentioned, you know, th- this whole thing almost just completely rips apart or collapses, or I think it's even said one time, it was almost like it was starting to melt into the floor. Yep. And all of this started, you know, back before Egwene went through. Elana uh, of the Green Aja said she felt like a, a resonance that she had not felt before, but didn't think it was a big deal. Well, apparently it was a big deal because it comes back with a vengeance and nobody really knows what happened except for Elana has seen something like this before when somebody tried to use a Turangriol in the same room with another one that may have been in some way related to it. And unbeknownst to everyone but Egwene, there's another Tirangriol in the room. Yep. And we know, at least we know what what we've been told about that Tirangriol, is that it's somehow connected to the world of dreams. So I say all of that to answer your question. <laughs> yeah. That I'm thinking that um, a little bit to what I said before about it being connected to other worlds, but I'm wondering if this ar- this Tirangriol, th- these archways aren't in some way connected to Teleron Riyadh. Okay. Because, so, uh, bec- and that's... That's solely based on what Alana says. That when she had seen something akin to this before, it was because there were two Tirangriol in the room that may have been in some way related to each other. Right. So whether it's specifically the world of dreams or just connection to other worlds besides our own, uh, I don't know, but I, I'm kind of leaning maybe towards it being something, some some kind of dream uh, like, like situation. Okay, your turn. <laughs> I think uh, that it is an a Terangrial that uses Teleonriad. I think you also weren't completely off base in talking about the portal stones earlier. Okay. Uh, I think it is a combination of those two things. We know for a fact that the people in the Age of Legends who would have made these uh, Terangrial studied the portal stones. Uh, we know that for a fact. Varen told us that. So I think that these Terangrial may have been made using knowledge gained by the study of the Portal Stones combined with knowledge that they had much more of at the time, the World of Dreams. Um, and so my mind and my thinking that each of these archways, what it is doing is placing you into a dream world basically created to match the specific fear. The women who are channeling into the Terangrial, the other sisters, yeah, they are choosing what type of dream 
but not the specifics. The specifics are made in the, by the person who enters. Their mind creates this world around them uh, that is basically shaped by the command given by the Aes Sedai that are channeling. So they say, show her, basically they tell the Arch, show her the past. Show her and what it shows was. Her the, yeah. Okay. And then, but what is actually in the vision is extrapolated from that person's own mind. Right. Um, but it is not just pulling things from their mind. It is pulling things from the Teleonriad, which do not give away more than I can. <laughs> Think of it like this. Um, we talked about how we have three things that always exist. We have the creator, we have the dark one, we have the world of dreams. Yeah. The way I like to look at it is the world of dreams is like the underlying framework. It is the blueprint of reality. That's how yeah. I like to think about it. It is uh, the matrix. Like it, okay. it's, <laughs> it is the, uh, the building blocks and the framework by which rest of reality is built upon. Uh, and so it, when they step into these arches, it is pulling and creating based off of reality that would have taken place. So it is, it is picking and choosing things that actually would take place, whether it be in our world or in a mirror world in that frame reference. So whether it be the past, present or future, uh -huh. um, but it is influenced by the person going through. That's why when, uh, we see the world of the past with Egwene, we specifically get mention of the Shan-Chan because the Shan-Chan are a fear and a threat for Egwene specifically. Yeah. And so the dream creates that threat present in that, even though it is not an active threat at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, which, it's interesting too, there, the Shan-Chan, because basically what you're seeing in that one is if Rand stayed in the two rivers, Egwene stayed in the two rivers, the dragon wasn't there to summon the heroes and to turn back the Shan Chan, basically the Shan Chan would have just kept coming and right. gone about conquering. Right. Uh, so, but then in the second one, you know, there is information and knowledge that is being used in the formation of these that could not have come just from Egwene's mind. Like the information about the thirteen merge all and thir that's not something she knew. That's not something it could have pulled from. So that is something from a true reality that was put in that that was pulled. Mm -hmm. Do you get what I'm saying? I think I yeah, like you know. So you're. Let me see if I'm I'm getting this right. There's, like it's pulling from other other worlds. In a in yeah. a sense. Other realities, other could be's. Yes. Okay. Hmm. And all of that somehow intertwined with the world of dreams. Yeah, I think the world of so the inference. Think of it like this: the data and the information that is being used comes from the user's own mind. Yeah. Plus 
the user's experiences in other possible worlds, like okay. the portal stones. Yeah, okay. But the actual making of the scenario is done by using the world of dreams. Okay, uh, that I, I, I think I'm getting it. I so think, think of it like a simulation. Yeah. The the inf- the program is created using the portal stone worlds, but the actual happening of it, the holodeck per se. Yeah. Is, that's being used is, is the word of, of dreams. So, is it is it like is it like placing Egwene in the world of dreams, and then everything that happens is based on either her thoughts or those other realities? Is that that kind of the yeah. picture you're painting for? Okay, I can actually wrap my head around that. I I think, um, you know, I never I never watched a lot of Star Trek, so I don't know a lot of holodeck um but i have watched the orville and they have the simulator so <laughs> <laughs> okay there you go um, that that would be the same thing yeah so uh okay i i think it's making sense to me um yeah all right yeah think of okay. it like uh, you know that seems dark so basically what they're doing watched a little bit of Star Trek. Die, <laughs> is they're putting somebody into a holodeck with the safeties turned off okay so they are by placing someone into the world of dreams like this, it is becoming real when they are there. So they are just as uh, they're at real threat and real danger is present. It isn't fake. It's completely okay. real to the person who's in there. Okay. Um, and it also, I would, uh, believe i probably have an answer to what shirion speculates about the people who don't come out Mm. is that something you can tell us or i don't think i think once the uh terangriol goes quiet if you're still in there you just stop you cease to exist oh wow okay because those worlds and those dreams that are created unless something is powering them and keeping them going in the world of dreams which is possible, but they would then be trapped in the world of dreams for the rest of time. Mm. But most likely what's happening is that once those Terangrel shut off, the simulation stops, and anything in it is basically cleared of the, from the buffer. Okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, I don't know what else to, <laughs> to say. You've... You, <laughs> You've done a good job explaining it because I can actually wrap my head around what's going on because uh, I ha- you know there's there's been some of these that uh, I'm still a little confused about but that one makes sense to me so yeah um, uh, what else what else can we can we say about this chapter um, Egwene has questions about being green Aja. Yeah, we we learn a little bit oh. about we learn a little bit about what that what that means. I do have yeah. one other thing before we move on to that. Um, okay, with these Turingirol and specifically with Egwene, I think uh, you can see hints, especially in the last arch, of because of how these arches work using Teleandrod. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Egwene is most likely a dreamer, I think Egwene is kind of facing these challenges with the cheat codes on. (laughs) Because 
she seems able, like, things go a little too smoothly for her at points. That don't really, and, and there are some lot, some leaps, especially in that last archway, that don't necessarily make a lot of sense. Uh, to me, it seems like she is actually having, her subconscious mind is having an impact on the scenario. Interesting. You know, in a way that it is not intended to be. And I think that has to do specifically with her being a dreamer. Okay. So, yeah, you think that that, that ability is kind of messing with, with, with the test a yeah. little bit. Um, yeah. That's, that's interesting, especially, well, I guess, you know, there hasn't been a dreamer in almost 500 years. And yeah. Varen even said that, you know, she, barely qualified so yeah. makes you wonder and go ahead with Koreana Nadil most likely she didn't realize like that's the other thing is she, most likely she was not at the point in her training when she took this test for her to, to really be a dreamer could have an effect okay but Egwene is because Egwene's yeah. already demonstrated some capabilities not not much but she's she's shown some ability yeah. and add that to the the ring uh the Griol being in the room and everything else it's a wonder we didn't have catastrophic meltdown yeah uh, which we almost did but we didn't uh Egwene yeah. is physically okay <laughs> yeah um She's probably going to wrestle with the mental side of it for a little while. She's already struggling with uh, the mental things with her her trauma from the Sean Chan. Um, But physically, she's okay. And she's got questions. (laughs) Um, Well, she's curious because she saw herself as Green Aja. She wants to know what that means. Ilana tells her... Uh, first of all, you got to love men. Um, yeah. Not just to be in love with men, but to love men. I guess I guess the way to put it, love men for who they are, what they are. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, their main purpose. Embrace the fact that they are different and be happy for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's some wisdom there, I think. Um, <laughs> and... Um, no, we're not going to do life lessons with Alana this time. No. <laughs> no. Um, the other thing was, the, the main thing is to stand ready, which I think we've yeah. touched on that before. They have been called the Battle Aja. They were in almost every battle of the Trolloc Wars, and now they stand ready for Tarman Gaiden. Yeah. Um, anything else worth mentioning? In this chapter, um, it, it ends uh, just the fact yeah. that we're given even more reason to be suspicious of everyone because we <laughs> don't know. We don't know if Elida or Shiryam saw the papers. Right. Uh, we have Ilana here asking to be punished and specifically wanting to share an Egwene's punishment, which Egwene is pretty well convinced is because she's just wanting an excuse to be around Egwene and spy on her. So we have reason to suspect 
her, and then also Egwene suspects the Omerlin because she didn't tell her about the 13 sisters being needed to turn someone to the dark. Yeah. And so we end with Egwene basically suspecting every Aes Sedai in the room of being a dark sister. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I had that in, in my, um, my, my final thoughts, but uh, Egwene is finding it hard to trust anybody. She yep. is really, um, she's really struggling with that. And given everything that she's gone through, I mean, the last time she trusted somebody, she ended up with a collar around her neck. Yeah. So I, I, I can't really blame Egwene. I don't think that, <laughs> I don't want to say Egwene is overreacting because I, I, I get where she's coming from, but. I, I do think that maybe she is a little paranoid that, you know, some of these people actually are genuinely, uh, they genuinely mean well. Like with, with Alana, um, you know, I at least to me, and this, this could be foolishness on my part, I, I feel like, you know, Alana just legitimately is so, feels so much guilt for what almost happened, believing that she may have, could may have could have stopped it that she's just she's feeling so much guilt for that that she wants to do something um you give may, Alana a lot more credit than i do may, maybe i'm just and it and it's funny cuz cuz normally i don't really trust people but i i feel like i'm i'm trusting of alana i'm trusting of sherry I'm, i don't trust elida <laughs> no. um i i don't suspect Alana here for doing this because I think she's a black sister. In my mind, I think she's doing it because she wants to get hooks into Egwene because Elida has already made a claim to Elaine for the Reds. Uh, mm. And Egwene and Naive were brought in thanks to Moraine, but no blue has really done anything to claim them. I think she's wanting to get her hooks into Egwene to prune her towards the green Aja because that's the thing is you have to remember that these people are all playing the game of houses. They're looking for advantages and alliances and uh, status. And they want someone that's as powerful as Egwene. One of the Ajas is going to want her if not all of the Ajas. And so I think it's a matter of her trying to uh, scout out Egwene more than anything. You're, you're probably you're probably right <laughs> because <laughs> everybody in the tower has an agenda. Yeah, um, but I, I, I'm I'm glad you agree with me that you don't think you know Ilana's is more personal. It's not or you know I guess yeah. It doesn't seem very. It's not like she's sitting over. It's Ilana not, does not strike me as a Machiavellian schemer over yeah, there <laughs> it's it's not it's not evil what she's trying to do it's just manipulative suspicious. a little bit yeah suspicious yeah um uh, i guess the only other thing uh we can mention is where the chapter ends and that's with uh Nynaeve comforting both Egwene and elaine <laughs> and yeah. um, elaine is pretty broken up uh as well she her her words were that um, she is she's insistent. I could not be that awful. So we have no idea what she saw, but uh, imagine it 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 was pretty bad too. 
I imagine that hers probably stemmed from her fears of being a bad ruler. Mm. Okay. Because that's what she's been raised. Yeah. Um, so I have a feeling that hers probably had to deal with that. Okay. All right. Well, let's uh, go ahead and let, let's start wrapping this up. Let's let's get into some final thoughts. I, I wanted to mention one thing, uh, just kind of as a as a final thought was when Egwene finally gets to put on that banded acceptage dress. And she feels disappointed because she doesn't really feel any different. Yeah. If that's not the most relatable thing in the world, I don't know what is. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think we've all been there. Like, uh, you know, I think about when you're growing up, you know, you you can't wait to, I guess 16 is special because then you get to start driving. But after that, you think, all right, 18 is going to be special. And then, no, I don't feel any different. Yeah, and you know I'm 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 about to be um, <clears throat> 36 years old, and sometimes I still feel like I'm like 12, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that was one of the most relatable moments um, ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, reaching that big milestone, but then something just not feeling any different. So yeah, just want to throw that out there. Any final thoughts from you? No, I think it's good, and I think it's a commentary there on just, like, how little this perceived made-up status within the Tower really matters. Uh Like, just becoming accepted is, it's all it is, is just status. Yeah. It's not, there's no power that comes with it, there's nothing like that. It is just a status and privilege type thing, and it doesn't change a person on a fundamental level, and yet it's it's lauded as this big change. Yeah. This big hurdle. Um, and I think that speaks volumes in our everyday life too. Kind of like when you but, graduate high school and you still got to get up the next day. <laughs> yep. Um, so. Yeah. It's interesting. But yeah. There's it's a re- relatable. There's a lot that happens in these three Ooh, chapters. Yeah. Um, We've been at it almost an hour and a half now, and I'm sure there's so much more we could have said. Yeah, um, but uh, I think, uh, listeners, uh, I think that we will, uh, I would really love to get your opinion on this. If we have anybody that will comment or send us a message about this, I would really love to hear your thoughts. Cause oh, we, absolutely. We get into some things that is really me theory crafting here, and so I would love to hear somebody try and debate me about it or give me their <laughs> opinion. I would For love sure. that. So That could be fun. It that could be. be a lot of fun. We could, we if we get enough of that, we have a special episode. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Well, if that's uh, if that's it, you got anything else? I no. I think that think that is uh, about it for all me. All right. Well, uh, we very thankful to. Uh, I'm thankful to have been able to have this opportunity to talk the, these things, but. We're also thankful for you, our listeners, that you've joined with us, that you listen and uh, participate every week. Uh, you know that new episodes are released on Tuesdays, and wherever you, you get your podcast, you can uh, subscribe or follow or whatever the word. Uh, Apple's using the word follow now instead of subscribe, so uh, it's still the same thing, in my opinion, but uh, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Uh, make sure you get these episodes, you know, when they're released, 
however you have to do that. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a rating and a review. We'd appreciate that as well. Uh, we'd also appreciate to hear from you on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. Send us an email. Uh, any of those ways you can reach out to us, those uh, handles and addresses are in the show notes. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Debate with Stephen. Uh, let him know what you think. <laughs> tell him Tell him how wrong he is. <laughs> oh, yes. Please um, do. Or tell him how right he is. I don't know. I tell him that enough, so... Uh, we don't need to stroke his ego any more than, than is necessary. <laughs> uh, buddy, what are we doing next, next week? Uh, so next week we are going to try and tackle chapters 24 through 26 of the All Dragon right. Reborn. I am excited for that. I can't wait to, uh, start reading. See, uh, what's coming up for our heroes. Uh, well, if that is all, we will go ahead and say so long for now, and we'll see you again here next week. Thanks for joining us. Have a great week, everybody. See you, folks.